I love about that story, as much as that it was the power and all, it was almost like a clinical lesson and this is just how we can easily witness to people, how we can easily invite people, how you can do things without being weird or, you know, over the top or freaking out or feeling like you're something that's beyond you. And that was um, just talking to your Uber driver. It's that simple, hey? Amazing. All right, I've got the privilege of putting our, uh, the last part of our series on mission together. On mission, a series on evangelism. And what I would like to do today is probably a little bit like what Cynthia was just doing then and, and be pretty practical about how we can evangelize, how we can, uh, how we can bring Christ to the people in our lives. And you don't have to be super spiro. You do have to, you know what I, there, there's this almost like a distinction between people that are spiritual and people that are not spiritual. And there seems to be that if you're airy and fairy, you're spiritual. And if you're down to earth, you're not spiritual. But can I just tell you, the actual most spiritual people that I've ever met, some of the most down-to-earth characters that you would ever, ever encounter. You would never, you would, when you meet them, they don't um, seem flaky. They don't seem like they're, uh, you know, stopping and like, oh, yes, God. Okay, God. Right, yes, yes, I'll go tell him now. Because I've met those people. I met them, I, I couldn't name names. But it's people who are just moving with God, and God's speaking and they're just moving. It's like, like Cynthia was saying, the, uh, the Uber driver, um, talking about the groceries. And, and I want us to be able to move past the point where we're intimidated to be able to share our faith. And what, what I... I've got this uh, push past our fear zone is a word I got um, while uh, um, Melissa and Vakia were preaching their messages is push past our fear zone. Do you know the number one fear for people? Public speaking. Public speaking is the number one fear for people. Number three, no, no, number two is dying. Most people would prefer to die than speak in public. That, that's That's... That's number one fear, public speaking. Number two, dying. Now, why is it petrifying for so many people to speak in public? It's actually the fear of ostracization. They're worried that they're going to be rejected. And the reason why this is such a powerful fear is because we were designed for relationship. You were designed for relationship. The most, in, most intrinsic part of your character is relationship. God made Adam and he had a relationship with Adam, but then everything was great on planet Earth, except God saw that Adam did not have relationship with another person. So he said that it is not good for man to be alone. Man must be in relationship. And he actually created relationship. And the f so that's uh, the most core part of who we are. As a child, if you do not have relationship, you do not make it. A a as, a, as a little baby, if you don't have connection, you don't make it. Uh, as, a, uh, as a community member, there's only so far you can go by yourself. Like for me, I I'm pretty capable. I can cook. Can't do much in the way of growing food. Um, I don't know, how would you get 
to a farm to get a cow because I don't know how to get petrol into my car apart from pushing the pump. It's, it, there's all these things where we're just so interwoven with connection and what's so important. And, and this is why the number one fear in, in our society is public speaking is because people, that's actually not, public speaking is not the fear. Rejection is the fear. Rejection is what they're afraid of. They're not afraid of speaking. They're afraid of you rejecting them. Or you're afraid of me rejecting you when you speak. You're putting it out there and you're putting yourself out there. And the biggest fear that we have is ostracization. And that is our barrier when it comes to sharing our faith. We are afraid of rejection. We are afraid of a break in relationship. We are afraid that people won't like us. And um, what I want us to do is I want to be able to reframe a couple of things that put you in a position where maybe you're not afraid to share what you believe. And there's this passage here, and this has probably been our working text for for this series, but I've got Luke chapter 10 and verse 2 and 3. It says this, He, it's Jesus speaking, Jesus told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is so cheeky. Jesus is saying, we, got, we have it up here. So he told them, ask the Lord to send out harvest, uh, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into the, his field. Okay. You ask God for something. Next verse. Go, I'm sending you. It's like, God, I wish, this is, this is what this is saying. It's like God saying, hey, Jacob, I want you to pray that someone will witness to these people. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would send someone to witness to these people. He's like, all right, off you go, Jacob. Don't go praying and looking. Pray and go. It, it's not pray, oh, Lord, that someone, and, I, and I'm not saying there isn't times where we don't pray that somebody would be the person and would meet, you know, that would connect with that. But what I'm saying is it's not go pray and sit down. Understand that as you pray, God's saying, yes, I answer your prayer. I'm answering that prayer. Now go. But if we go back to that first verse again, uh, what I want us to see here is it says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The field is his. You are on God's turf. You are on your turf. When you go out, you're not going into somebody else's place. It's his harvest field. God is saying, go into my place here and do what I told you to do. So when we're walking around, we don't have one second of intimidation. We don't have one second where we feel like we're encroaching or we're being overbet. No, no, no. This is your place. You know, there's a, a particular way, like, I'm not, I have what's known as a checkered past. Still today, I can spot a police car, an unmarked police car from hundreds of metres away. I can spot a policeman anywhere you like, whether they've got whatever, they, I can, I know. And do you want to know one of the ways you know what, what a police, uh, someone's a policeman? It doesn't matter where they are, they act like they belong there. They act like they own it. There's a confidence, they're in somebody else's place, but there's a confidence that they're there 
and they have every right to be there. You can't tell them to leave and there's this assurance, there's this confidence. You, every step you take, you are stepping in your father's field. Every step you take, you are walking on your turf, on your territory, in your neighbourhood, in your home. When you are speaking to... you getting into somebody else's Uber. No, no, no. That's not their Uber. That's God's harvest field. It's my Uber. And I promise you, I go anywhere. It's mine. I carry with me the authority and the mandate of God. And anywhere I go, I'm like that policeman. I'm like, thank you for bringing me my car, my seat. Off you go to, you know, I'm now going into my house, to my shopping centre, and my city. This is my city. You understand this is my city. My dad, it's his harvest field. It's like my kids come into their house, into our house. This is that's their house. You can't, t- like, it's theirs. There's a confidence of, own, and, and what, when we, this is, we need to carry that. So when you're going and when you are in, in any context, no matter what is happening, you are on your turf. You have to understand, that is your that is your point of reference. It's like someone sitting in your lounge room. Suddenly you can tell them a few different things than if you're sitting in their lounge room. Except if I'm in your lounge room, I'm in my lounge room because it's God's lounge room. And I'm his kid. And it doesn't matter where I am, it's his harvest field. So we have to, sh- that, that, we know that shift in our, that, that paradigm shift. So when we go, all of a sudden we're not afraid of ostracization. They should actually be afraid that we're going to reject them because they're in our place. And it's a, it's a total, total mindset shift. But it all comes down to the Lord of, the, the, ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into his field. When we have that, we change. We change. You change. All right. So now we've got that established. When you were going into your field, because it's your dad's field, and he said, what did he say? He said, go therefore. Your dad said, go into my place and do this thing. Because he asked you to pray for it, remember? He says, hey, pray that someone will go there. Oh, Lord, that someone would go. Yeah, off you go. You are a walking answer to prayer. You are a walking answer to prayer. And just think there's nothing anybody needs more than the salvation that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing. You are the carrier of that. that You are the carrier of the answer to that prayer. You are the one that can make that personal introduction. So, but what I want us to do is get quite practical in understanding how we can do that. So, I've had the privilege of have seeing both of my brothers uh, come to know Christ and, and you know get planted in church. Some of my uh, really good friends, all of us, my brothers and my friends, all happened to be gang members back in the day, and then we now serve Jesus. But the way that that all really sort of came about was I went down to Adult and Teen Challenge. My life turned around and they saw my life changing. They saw my life shining. They saw the fruit in my life. And when I would meet them, yes, I would talk to them. Yes, I would share my faith. Yes, I would invite them to church. I remember inviting my brother to church once and the, one of the ushers had to go up to him and say, hey, you know you can't smoke in church. True story. Another time I had my, I was, uh, had my brother 
we were invited. I was a pastor at this point, and I was invited to a friend's church. They had a, a meeting on, and you know we were given a seat on the front row. And my brother came, and and when it's not just our pastor, it was actually Pastor Joel Shalaya, who's the president of our state movement. <laughs> and so, and you know, I'm feeling very privileged and very, you know, and my brother's on the front row, texting the whole time, feet sprawled out, long right, like. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, we, 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 but now he's serving God. He, his pastor, he lives over in Queensland now. His pastor texts me the other day of him sharing like this. So she texts me a photo of him. Of him uh, I think he shared communion. You know. so, but we've seen, and this all came though from my life shining. So we've got two parts that we really do when, when with our witness. One of the parts is it's important you shine. It's really important. If your life sucks, and I don't mean your ups and downs that we have the challenges in life. I mean, if you hate life, oh, you, you know, you're miserable, you're whinging all the time, you're always upset, you're always disappointed, you're always broke, you're always... And then you like go to someone like, oh, man, you should follow Jesus like me. Like, you know, maybe not. You know, it's like some, you know, some of those people there try and convince you to be healthy with them, except they look like they're malnourished. They look like their, you know, bone's going to break at any point. And they tell you about, you know, why it's wrong to eat this type of food and you should be eating that type of food. I'm like, uh, thanks, but no thanks. So one of the things that's so important, and this is what, there's a scripture that actually talks about this. There's um, this passage here um, where it says, in uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. And there's these two passages. There's one in Matthew 5 and one in Matthew 6. And I just want to quickly touch them and then we'll have to deal with it because I love it. It's, it's actually a really, it's, it's one of the great contradic- contradictions of the Bible if you don't read it properly. So we're going to start with Matthew 6 and we'll work backwards. So Matthew 6 chapter 1 says this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the street, to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So this is Matthew 6. So let's just jump back to Matthew 5 and see what Jesus just said before he told us this. Matthew 5, 14 says this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on, a st- on its stand and give, it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. (laughs) Which one is it, Jesus? I think Jesus might have some mental health issues. We're praying for deliverance, so let's get some deliverance here. (laughs) It's either he's totally lost it, because here he's saying, let people see your good deeds, and the other one he says, don't even let your left hand know what your, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. But but it's really important when we read read the scripture, it's really important that when you do that, you actually read it. 
It's really, and what I, what I mean by that is I want you to see a couple of things. So in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 1, it says this, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. And it goes down. See, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the street to be honoured by others. He's saying here, don't do stuff to be seen so that you're honoured by others. There's a distinction. The first time God's, he's saying, God's actually, Jesus is saying, guys, there is a certain way you can really, really shine and be good to people and it brings honour to God. And there's another way you can do it and it brings honour to you. It's not, not and, and Pastor Malcolm's actually the one that taught me this because, you know, I was big on, you know, doing my good deeds privately and in secret. And then I'm saying, to, and, you know, Malcolm's saying, Jake, you really need to let people know what you're getting up to. <laughs> and then I've mentioned this scripture and he's like, well, uh, how amazing do you think those acts of righteousness are that you need to hide them so that people don't think you're so amazing? <laughs> And, and but that really helped me break it down. But what what are we what we start to see here is that if we're doing this with a pure motive, if we're doing this with a motive that people look at Jesus, that shines for Jesus, your life becomes the light of the world. Your life says here, Matthew chapter five and verse fourteen, Jesus speaking to you. You've got no problem thinking that Jesus is the light of the world. And we know that there's passages that say that. We've got no drama believing that. How do you feel about the fact Jesus says, you are the light of the world? How do you feel about that? Are you okay with being the light of the world? Are you, you, okay with shining? Are you okay with people looking at your life, thinking, wow, there is a good God out there. Wow, I need to know, I, I need to know the God that this person puts their trust in. Because that's, Jesus didn't say you can be the light, or you should be the light, or if you do things just right, you are the light. No, he just he says, you are the light. And what does that mean? It means if you don't shine... It doesn't shine. If you don't shine, Jesus doesn't shine. You are the light. You are what you are the answer to that prayer. Remember? Lord, some send someone. God's like, yeah, you go, glow, shine. You are the light. If you don't step up and shine, shining doesn't happen in that sphere. People miss out. I'm not saying that other chances won't come. Sometimes they will. But I have to tell you, sometimes they won't. Sometimes things are time critical and somebody will not have another opportunity to hear the gospel. Or this might be the only time that they're in a, in a position where their heart is soft to receive the gospel. So what we've got at this point where God is actually calling you to shine. And I've personally seen my two brothers and some of my very closest friends growing up turn their lives over to Christ and God do miracles in their lives because I let God shine through me. There's this amazing passage in Jeremiah 33, verse 9, and I just love it. 
says, Then this city will bring me renown, joy, praise, and honor before all nations on earth that hear of all the good things I do for it. And they will be in awe and tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace I provide for it. He says, This will bring me, me honor. Because remember, there's a difference between shining so you get honor or shining so God gets honor. God's saying here, there's a potential for you to shine so I get honor. When they hear about it, how are they going to hear about it if no one tells them? How are they going to know what God's done in your life if you don't tell them? One of the things that has been critical in my journey of understanding to, to be able to share the gospel with people is one of our hang-ups, one of the things, the barriers we have is we don't believe that God is going to do in their life what he did in our life the miracle he did you're all here in church right if you're anything like me we're kumbaya in a way the presence of god's there we've got like the the singing and the guitar and i like the little drum and it's just jesus and presence is all good i had a real encounter with god a genuine encounter i know that in that genuine encounter god was healing me god was cleaning me god was building me up and strengthening me encouraging me i know that the very best place for me to be on planet earth this, sun, this morning is right there. I know that. Standing there in that moment, I knew that. Why would I not want that for everybody else? Why would I hold back on telling people how you can come and ex- come to church and experience the power and presence of God in manifesting in your life? Like God re- being real to you and you experiencing God and you having a, di- a direct encounter with the creator of heaven and earth. It's because I think it's not going to happen for them. Because what I think is that they're going to be sitting there, everybody's going to be having their full God immersion experience, Holy Ghost is just, boop, and they're going to be like, just crickets. You know, they're little, they're just crickets, just like, okay, the music's nice, I guess. And then that's everybody, and, and, and we have this, this hang-up that we don't think that God is going to do for them what he did for you. And this moves us to the point where we are at, that's outside of our control. And we don't have to have the theology for it. And, and we're not even, it's almost like we're not even supposed to have the theology for it. Can I tell you, I'm going to tell you a, a brief story in a moment of the very first evangelist for Christ. Well, not the very first, the very first missionary for Christ. The first evangelist was, I think it was Andrew, Mel's favorite story, when Andrew meets Jesus and he straight away runs off to his brother and says, hey, we found the Christ, come on. But the first missionary is this guy. He was crazy as you like, absolutely demon-possessed, running around graveyard, butt-naked, snapping chains, howling and all of that. No, like... You imagine that guy? You imagine the local Pinaroo thing down here is a naked bloke running around howling and breaking things and like <laughs> there was a graveyard like near where Jesus was at one time and that was happening. Jesus goes to the guy, casts the devil out of him, and then boom, he's just in his right mind. He's very much like the drug addict criminal that went to Adult and Teen Challenge. And after a period of time, he's not some violent thug anymore. He's actually a, a church guy who loves Jesus and is kind to people. Very much like that, the contrast. 
And then Jesus, is, he's, he's ministered to this man. He set him free. And Jesus has got his disciples and they're about to go off and carry on their journey. And this bloke's like, Jesus, I, I need to come with you. Let me come with you. And do you want to know what Jesus said to him? As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man, this is Mark chapter 5. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him. Jesus did not let him come. There are times where people want to go and be a pastor in church. And Jesus did not let him. There's times where people want to go and go over to these places and do these things, good things, spiritual things with Jesus. And Jesus did not let him. But let's read on. Jesus did not let him but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis, that's the ten cities in, in his, where he's from, how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. So this guy, ten minutes ago, he's crazy as a bat. Now Jesus is telling him to go be a missionary. Half of us, when we don't share our faith because we don't know the ins and the outs of this book, we're, we don't know what page number this is on, where Jesus said that, what it really means is the Trinity, how do we understand that, what does saved mean, all the doctrine. We don't, we don't feel confident to be able to memorize the verses and all of these things. And that's your reason for not sharing the gospel. That's the reason why you hold back. No, the reason you're holding back is because you're scared you're going to get rejected. We need to remember that's what's happening. This guy did not know one stitch of scripture. The New Testament hadn't been written. He'd spent 10 minutes with Jesus. And Jesus is telling him, all you need to do, man, is tell him what I've done for you. Full stop. If you're here, I'm guessing most of you guys that are here are here because Jesus has done something pretty radical in your life and you're totally different than what you used to be like and now you're here and now you love Jesus and you're in this, you're in this journey. You know what? That's what you share. You're afraid that that won't happen to other people. Well, it happened to you. Why wouldn't it happen to somebody else? God did it to you, God did it to me, and then he did it to my brother, and then he did it to my other brother, and then he did it to my mate, and then he did it to another one of my mates, and then he's done it to another one of my mates. And they're just the people I know. Jesus said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. This is a story in John 9. And that a lot of us, there's this really, really cool passage in, in John chapter 10 and verse 10. And it and it's, says, Jesus is saying, he says, I, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, he, he's, um, he says that I've got abundant life for you. Like, I want you to live this. I've got this overflowing life for you. 
But the context of that, of that message, it says the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. Oh, I've come that you might have life to the overflowing. The context of that was there was a guy who was blind. Jesus goes up to him, makes him not blind. And then goes about his business. And then this guy starts to get hassle from the church, if you want, the, the synagogue. He starts to get grief and they're asking him all of these questions. And then they're saying like, and then they're asking him for his theology questions, you know. They want you, where's your theology questions? Because he doesn't know a stitch of scripture either. The New Testament hasn't been written. He's got no context for anything that's just happened in his life. And this is what he says to them. I don't know the theology. John chapter 9 verse 25. I don't know the, the ins and outs of this guy, how it all worked out. One thing I know, I was blind, now I can see. That's all I got. That's all I got. You know what? That's all you need. That's all you need. And I want us as a church to start to not be afraid you're walking on your turf. You know, a really simple way of, of starting to open up conversation about the gospel. It's going to happen to you tomorrow morning. You're going to go to work and people are going to say, these famous lines that everybody gets asked every single Monday morning, your whole life, how was your weekend? What'd you get up to? Oh, yeah, not much. It was pretty good. Or you could say something like this. I had a good weekend. We went down the beach. Went and did, some, did the Bunnings run, got through the list. Sunday morning, had church. Sunday afternoon, watched the cricket. Come on, the Aussies. And then, how was your weekend? Right there, you've actually said, hey, I'm a believer in Christ. I've got faith. I'm somebody who, I'm not ashamed of. And it started. Th that conversation started. That opened up an area for discussion and do you know who they're going to come talking to when they've got things going on it's you you will be the one they come talking to because you are open about your faith and this is where it goes on is because Christ is working in your life you're actually somebody that's a compassionate person you're someone who's a kind person you're someone who's a generous person a gentle person a happy person and they're going to be looking at you and they do watch you, man. They watch and they watch and they watch. And we always think they're watching to see us fail, but they're not. They're watching to see you succeed because everybody is looking for the answer. There is only one answer. Everybody's looking for it. You've got it. And they're watching to see if this answer is legit. Let your light shine before men so they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let's not be wishy-washy about our faith. Let's not be afraid to speak naturally about things that are happening on our turf, in His harvest field. Let's let our light shine. But this is also means like let your light, your witness actually be a witness. Some of them, I'm not saying people here, different churches, you shouldn't tell people you're Christians. Other people from other churches, you see things going on. They're gossiping about the boss. They're swearing. They're doing all sorts of stuff that the world's doing, even worse than the world maybe. 
and it's actually muddying the name of Jesus. This is one of the things that we take really, really, we, we need to take seriously is our witness. Some of you should not have a little fish on the back of your car. I'm not pointing fingers, but perhaps I'm one of those people. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is your life, your life is your biggest witness. You need to be opening up those conversations because you prayed that God would do something and God said, okay, go. You are the light of the world. Jesus sent you into your workplace, into your neighborhood, into your family, into your sphere of influence to shine for Him so that other people can experience the miracle that you experienced. Amen? I'm going to pray. Let's get every head bowed and every eye closed. And before, I'm going to pray for us to have a boldness, for us to just have a different relationship with what we are concerned from other people. But before I do that, I would like to, if anyone's here and they've never made Jesus the Lord of their life, they've never put their trust in Jesus, or maybe you have a while ago and you've walked away and you just want to recommit. If you're joining us online, via the podcast, if that's you, if you're in the house, we're going to pray a prayer all together. And if that's you, I want you to pray it and join with us and pray it and mean it with all of your heart. So repeat after me, guys. Dear God, today I choose to follow you. Forgive me for living life my own way. Help me to walk with you. I thank you. You'll never leave me. You'll never let me down for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Just while every head's still bowed and every eye's still closed, if, you pray, if you're in the house and you prayed that for the first time, I just would invite you to slip your hand in the air just so I can see it. I'd love to have a chat with you afterwards. Or if you're online, please let us know in, in the comments or DM us. We'd love to be able to get some resources to you. Just one moment longer, if that's you, I'll just invite you to just put your hand in the air just so I can see. Amazing. Amen. All right, I'm going to pray for us as a church. Lord, we've spent the last three weeks learning how we can stay on mission, how we can respond to your great commission. Lord, we need a boldness in this church. We need a hunger to see people come to know you. We need a hatred of watching people go to hell. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just put on us, Lord, just such a hunger to, to pray the prayer that you would send workers into the field, Lord God, and then we would be bold enough to let ourselves be the answer to that prayer, Father. Holy Spirit, I pray for an infusion. I pray for an infusion. An infusion of boldness, an infusion of courage, an infusion of faith that we would, be happy, we would put ourselves on the line and be the answer to that prayer and believe that what you've done in our lives, you will do in the lives of others. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, church. We're just going to worship. I just invite everybody to stand. We're just going to worship. And I want us to, as we're worshiping, I want us to be like Cynthia was saying, Lord, 
open my eyes. Like I was talking about, that the fear would go. The confidence that we're in God's turf. I want us to walk out of here different people this morning. Fresh boldness, fresh courage, a fresh excitement. To see those people that we care about, or even the people we don't even know because we know that you care about them. Find the miracle that we've found in you. Amen. Let's worship church.